Well, dear friends, with it being hunting season, you're perhaps familiar with many of your friends and neighbors at least going out to get their equipment in order, right? And so when bow hunting season came around, you perhaps saw a loved one out in the backyard shooting their bow, working on their aim, their proficiency. And what were they shooting at? It was a target, wasn't it? Right, because you want to be able to hit the target. And it's the same way when, when hunting season for rifles started, right? You get that rifle back out of storage and you clean it up once again. And you want to make sure that the scope is just right. And you're going to take some practice shots. You're trying to hit the target. And of course, if you can hit the target, then you're beginning to strive for more proficiency, aren't you? You want to hit the bullseye because that is the goal that you would be able to use your bow and arrow. You'd be able to use your rifle in such a way that you can narrow down your shot and hit the bullseye. And dear friends, that is exactly what our life in Christ should be like. We don't just go out into the woods and shoot wherever we feel like shooting. Right? We don't just you know, shoot our gun in the air and go, woohoo. But rather, we're trying to hit the target and we're trying to narrow down our focus so that we can even achieve the bullseye. But so many people in the church today have taken the opposite position, haven't they? We hear many Christian leaders, even so-called leaders, telling you you can just kind of do whatever you want and it will be okay somehow. But the fact of the matter is, being a Christian means that we become different. It was really interesting to me. It came across my desk, the account of a historian from 200 AD. And of course, 200 AD, that's 200 years after Christ rose from the grave and ascended back into heaven. And so just 200 years after, you know, the church is starting to begin, the Christians, of course, you might remember, were being persecuted. Right, because of their lack of tolerance. Oh, sounds similar to today. No, Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That means all the other religions, they don't work. Right? That's the logical conclusion. Jesus, he didn't just say, hey, I am the best. Because right? then, you know, other ways could kind of work, right? Maybe I can find some other way that it works. If Jesus is the best way, maybe, you know, the number two way, maybe that's good enough for me, as long as I get there. But no, Jesus, he didn't just say, hey, I'm, I'm in the top 10, baby. Right? No, Jesus said, I am the way, the one and only way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in the early Roman Empire, that flew in the face of their code of tolerance. 
right? Because they wanted to be tolerant of everybody. They wanted to be tolerant of every religion. They did not like it that these Christians were saying they were the only way to heaven. And so Christians at that time were being persecuted, right? If we're going to get together for church, we'd find some cave somewhere. And we go there secretly one by one. We wouldn't go in a, a large group, right? You, you'd park like three miles away and you'd hike in because you, you didn't want anyone to know exactly where you were. The early Christians often met in the, the burial places. That was the, the catacombs, the chambers underground where they, they you know, stored the dead bodies, right? They're hiding they, they weren't tolerated. We don't like those Christians. And the secular historian writing at, at that time, 200 AD, he, he began to, to write about what he saw. And the, the first thing he noticed was, you know, Christians live among us, but they're not like us. Right, people could, could almost kind of see that you were different in that time. One of the differences he noted was the Christians care for their children. So, well, don't, don't, doesn't, doesn't everybody care for their children? No, he, he, he wrote, unlike us who sacrifice our children to the gods, who leave our children that we don't really care for on the trash heap, the Christians actually care for their children. A, a noticeable difference that, that this historian made. It's maybe hard for us to imagine, although it's becoming a, a little bit easier the, the older I get, I suppose. Right? You know, growing up in a, a, a small town, well, about 20,000 people, we didn't even have the, the first murder in our vicinity until I, I was like a teenager. You know, let, let alone, you know, talking a, a, about these issues where so many people are having abortions today. You know, where, where people are actually leaving their babies in the, the trash dumpster. It just wasn't happening when I was a young person. But that historian noted during his time, right, that Christians, they're not like us. They love their children. They, they take care of them. They don't sacrifice them to the gods. They don't leave them on the trash heap. But there's something Different there. The story went on to note that the Christians share their food. Unlike us, where the only time we share our food is when we're inviting over important guests, right? You know, trying to, to make a name for ourselves, right? Trying to establish ourselves in the, the business world. Right, we might invite some important people to come over and eat with us. The Christians notice when someone is poor, when they don't have enough, and they share their food. Right. Astonishing difference. Right? Of note to the historian. They share their food. The 
in the, 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 the same phrase, he said, but they do not share their beds. See, they share their food. They don't share their beds. Again, an interesting note, right? Because the Christians are following the commands of their God. The command of God is, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? The, the Christians are honoring their God. They're, they're not doing the things that everybody else is doing. They have a difference. Another difference the early Christians were, were noted for, um, well, just taking a, a step back, you know, maybe in our day and age, you've heard the, the simple phrase, it's in, in leadership, in, in business um, today, hurting people hurt people. Have you ever, ever heard that phrase? Right, and and so the the idea is, you know, maybe that you and I kind of have to beware of, of hurting people because, you know, hurting people hurt people, right? And so if that's a, a hurting person, they, they might hurt me. And so I, I kind of have to be careful, right? And it, it, it almost, that little phrase, it, it almost makes us kind of paranoid because in, in a, a sense, right, are we not all hurting people at times, right? That we're, we're the ones being hurt at times, right? You know, it's like, oh, I've led a perfect life and no one has ever dared to mess with me. Never been hurt. No, it's not like that, is it? And so you can kind of come to think, well, you know, who can I really trust? If hurting people really hurt people, you know, who, who can I really trust? And the historian of that day uh, noted especially when Christians are hurt by others, they don't seek revenge. But when Christians have things going against them, they don't go and do the same things to other people. When, when, when a Christian has a, a bad day, uh, you know, his boss yells at him, he doesn't go home and kick the dog and yell at his wife in return, right? That's what, you know, hurting people hurt people, right? I'm, I'm mean to my employee, my employee goes home, he's mean to his family, Right, you know, his wife maybe then yells at the kids, and, and the, the kids, you know, start to misbehave, and it just is this vicious cycle. And the Christians, he noted, stopped the cycle. When they were reviled, right, they were made fun of, they were mocked, they didn't revile in return. They didn't mock other people in return. They had something different. You could abuse them, and they did not go and abuse other people. It was something of note. And so the historian writing at that time, you know, the secular historian, right? Okay, it's not the Holy Scripture, but it gives us an insight into what the Christian community was like. They love their children. It's not like us, he said, right? They share their food. They share it with poor people, not, not just rich people. They're trying to impress. They, they never share their beds, though, right? They don't commit adultery. They're loyal to one another in their marriage vows. They 
don't hurt others when they get hurt. There's something different there. And dear friends, that is where we are called to be. Again, we have leaders of major denominations that are just kind of going out there and saying, hey, do whatever you feel is good to you. Hey, just kind of do, do whatever, you know, comes naturally. Oh, you know, don't worry about all the, those old laws in, in the Bible. No, don't worry about that stuff. Oh, it's all going to be okay. But no, it's not, is it? Because I, you know, some, sometimes I have tricked you in, in the, the past and I, I say, what is the, the first commandment? And you right away go back to catechism, right? And you say, well, you shall have no other gods. Yes, I, I, I get a star. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Yes, I, I get another star. But no, I you know, shared with you, you, you know what's coming, don't you? Right? What is the first commandment? The Lord God said to Adam and Eve, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature, right? This attitude of, of having dominion over what God has given me, it, it doesn't mean I, I go and steal other people's stuff, of course. It doesn't mean I'm trying to become emperor of the world because that would be all like the ultimate dominion kind of thing, but know that I take care of what God has given me, right? That's the, the attitude of having dominion. It's that attitude of mastery, isn't it? it? It's what I was talking about at the beginning of my sermon, right? You go out and you want to at least hit the target, right? Now, I, I don't know how many hunters are, are out there, but if you went to sight in your rifle and suddenly you couldn't hit the target even, would, would you still go? Yeah. Well, maybe you come back the next day and you say, wow, maybe yesterday was just a bad day and I got to try again. But if, if you couldn't even hit the target, would you still go out deer hunting? Well, hey, maybe go sit in the stand or something, observe nature. But you, you kind of feel that, that sense of a, a, a lack in the side. You know, if I shoot at, at the deer and it doesn't kill it and it, it just runs away and it's hurt, I, I don't know. If I can't even hit the target, Am, am, am I still going to try? Okay, and, and so there's that sense, right, that I'm going to try my best. I want to be able to do my best. And so when we're trying to give our best, then we, we love our children, right? We don't put our kids on, on the trash heap. Well, when we're trying to do our best, we share our food. We share our resources with, with those who are, are poor. When we're trying to do our best, we strive to live a moral life, don't we? When we're trying to do our best, right, we're trying to hit the center of the target, it then begins to have an influence over everything that we say and do, doesn't it? If I'm, I'm just shooting my gun, who, who knows what, what could happen? Now, I, I well remember as a, a young man, I was able to take a, a trip out to California. I was about 18 years old. And it was uh, around the 4th of July. We were in a, a large city there in California. And, and I was really surprised because the, the, the 4th of July, of course, you know, fireworks are going up. My, my uncle pulled out his handgun 
And, and he, he discharged six bullets into the air. And I was thinking to myself, those bullets got to land someplace, right? You know, they're not just going to go up into orbit. You know, be circling the earth forever. Right? But that's what so many people are doing in their life today, aren't they? Well, I have a gun. I can just shoot it wherever I want. Right? I, I can just kind of do the things I want to do. I don't really care about other people. I, I don't really care about having dominion. I, I don't care about, you know, hitting the bullseye. Right? I, I can just kind of do what I want. And that's never the mark of a Christian, is it? Uh, just like 200 years after the death of Christ, the historian could report, Christians are different. Now, they're, they're not getting abortions. They're not sacrificing their, their kids to the false gods. They're not leaving their children on the trash heap. Right? They're, they're sharing their food. They're sharing their, their resources with other people that need it. Not, not just with somebody that make a, a big influence on their life, not somebody they can buy off, you know, but with others in need, right? They're leading moral lives. They're, they're taking care of their businesses. They're taking care of their employees, right? They're always striving to hit the target. They want to have dominion over the things that God has given. Now, if I ended my sermon here today, you know, it would just kind of be maybe like a, a, a YouTube video. You know, I could say, well, let's all huddle around now, put our hands in the center. We'll go, 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 get them, right? Get out there, right? Have dominion. You know, do the stuff you're supposed to do. Hit the target, hit the bullseye. Let's go, come on. Right? Now, pump ourselves up. And we could do that, but you know, the fact of the matter is the heart of the change comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Doesn't it? It comes from knowing Christ as our Savior. It comes from having someone who loved us so very much. Right? He came down from heaven as a tiny little baby, knowing he was going to die. Knowing he was going to go to the cross. And he went to that cross willingly. He was crucified for us. He died to open the way to heaven for all who believe. You see, nobody could get to heaven under their own power, could they? Right? Not even one person. And so when Jesus died upon the cross, he opened the door to heaven. He allows us to be able to be with our heavenly father for eternity. And, and yeah, that's part of the, the first piece, isn't it? We are in this world. We are in this nation, but we're trying to go home. Right? I, I want to go home to heaven. I want to be able to be with God someday. I'm only here temporarily. I have a better place. It's heaven. I want to get there. And so as I begin to live my life in that way, that there's someone who loved me so very much that even though I was despising him perhaps, 
even even though I I spit on him by my words and actions, even though I maybe even shook my fist at heaven and cursed his name a time or two, he loved me so much, he died for me. And when I have that kind of love in my corner, someone who is for me, I, then I begin to go out and do the things he asks, right? He says, hey, I want you to hit the target at least, and I'd like you to try to get the bullseye. Say, oh, okay, what does that mean? Well, I, I want you to love your kids. Well, it, again, it seems like, you know, it, it should be natural, right? We should love our kids, but there's a lot of people out there I don't love their kids. And he says, I want you to share with those who are in need. Share your food. Share your resources. I go, okay, I can do that. Because God loved me first. He says, I want you to lead a moral life. I want you to try to, you know, match up to what the scripture has to say. I want you to at least hit the target and try for the bullseye. I, I say, okay, right? Because you love me so much, I want to do that in my life. See? He comes and, and he says, guess what? In this world, there will be trouble. In this world, you're, you're going to get hurt. I want you to break the cycle, right? If your boss is mean to you, don't go home and be mean to your wife. Don't go home and yell at your kids. Right? Instead, count it all joy when you suffer because of me. Count it joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. And wow, that's kind of the ultimate place for us to come to be as Christians, isn't it? That someone would be mean to us because of our belief and we would count it as joy. Right? The, the people would be even cruel to us, but we would refrain from hurting other people. That we might get kicked around someplace in society and then we would go home and still smile and laugh and engage with our families. Right? that we would be the ones that that fella back in 200 AD could have written about as well. They love their children. They share their food. They don't share their beds. When they get hurt, they don't hurt others. Seems like some very simple things, but that historian was observing the genuine Christian life. And that's the life that God still wants for us to have. That's who we should be. Now, many of us like salt, don't we? You know, maybe your doctor said, oh, you can't have salt anymore. You got to get rid of the salt. But, you know, you, you at least remember the taste, right? You, you like to put salt on your food. Now, what would happen if you grabbed that salt shaker, right, and, and you shook out a, a bunch of those, you know, white particles uh, on your food, and you went to taste it, and nothing was different? 
It, it still tasted just the same. Would, would, would you keep doing that or would you throw the salt away? You say, you know, the salt has lost its saltiness. What good is it, right? I'm going to throw it in the trash can. I'm going to get some new salt, right? Because I want my food to taste different when I apply the salt. Well, that's what God is saying here, right? If the salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it? So many Christian churches in the world today have lost their saltiness, haven't they? Right? It doesn't make a difference in people's lives. You go to those churches and the people are just the same as anybody else in the world. Right? They, they don't love their kids. Right? They're you know, getting abortions. They're putting their kids in the trash dumpster. Right? Okay, God, God forgive me, it'll be fine. They're not leading moral lives. They're not following God's commands in the, the sexual realm. They say, oh, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. Leaders of major denominations saying, hey, don't worry about those old antiquated laws that were in the you know, Old Testament. We, we don't care about those anymore. Got to be taught. And, you know, maybe Jesus wasn't really the only way to heaven. Because we're in church today, I'll say he's probably the best way. Or he's you know, one of the top ten ways. But, you know, I, now what kind of message is that? Right. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't get there without him. And because he loved us so much, let us then dial in our sights and strive for the bullseye. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.